Hey, you guys, just a quick little disclaimer for this week's episode. The audio may be a little wonky because we keep running into connection issues, especially due to the distance between Kristen and I. But no worries. I'm moving back to the States next week, so we won't have to deal with this anymore. You're still going to be able to enjoy the episode. The audio quality may just not be giving what it's supposed to give. Thank you guys in advance for your patience, and we hope you enjoy the episode. Black True Crime is a podcast that researches and discusses murders committed by black offenders. It is a podcast that anyone and everyone is welcome to enjoy, but it may not be enjoyed by anyone and everyone. So listener discretion is advised. Now, without further ado, this is Black True Crime. Hello, everyone. Hi, guys. We're back. (laughs) It's Kayla. And it's Kristen, your co-host. What's poppin', you guys? Welcome back to another episode of Black True Crime. This is a bonus episode where yours truly will actually tell you about a case. (laughs) I love this break. You have no idea. Anything before we start? Do you have to say anything, Pooper Tooper? No, let's just get into it. All right, let's get started. In the midst of what could be seen as the height of a racially charged era, considering not even 50 years have passed since the abolition of slavery, Mm. a rural town... Kayla, this is the intro. Oh, sorry, go ahead. A rural town named Crownsville became home to Maryland's first hospital for the Negro insane. Tales of how human experimentation, overcrowded living conditions, and death riddled the halls of this insane asylum will be told today. Wow. Some of the details and images may be a little triggering, so prepare yourselves mentally, you guys, which you should really prepare yourselves every episode. Join us as we discuss the dark history which lie behind the doors of Crownsville State Hospital. Wow. I'm excited. Okay, girl, because we're about to get into it. Now, this, I just want to let y'all know, this hospital was around for about close to 100 years. So we're definitely not going through all of that. But I mm-hmm. will get to the most important, like the meat and the, the beef of the, the, the entree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the beef and the potatoes. We'll get into that, okay? So, I have a question. Hospital. Well, I have a statement. You guys, if Kristen's audio is a little wanky, it's because she is trying to use a new system. Kristen's computer is as old as all of us here on this podcast put together. So, and we're going to we're going to upgrade her real soon, but she does struggle with technical stuff over there. So, be understanding. Yeah. We know y'all know us, so Thank Give you. me grace. Thank you, you in guys. advance. Yes. Thank you in advance. My laptop is not 20 something years old. It's probably as old as your oldest teenage kid, though. <laughs> so let's get into it. Crownsville Hospital was founded in 1911, but the concept of its inception gained more public attention when an article was released in 1888, and it was titled The Need of an Asylum or Hospital for the Separate Care and Treatment of the Colored Insane of this State. Now, before we get into that article, Kayla, why don't you let us know what was going down in Black history during 1910? Okay, you guys, picture this. 
1910, where racism is still the beating heart of America. Whitney M. Young Jr. established the National Urban League in New York City. The purpose of the NUL is to help Black Americans find jobs and housing, which was incredible at the time. As the league describes on its website, its mission is, quote, to help African Americans and others in underserved communities achieve their highest true social parity, economic self-reliance, power, and civil rights. The league promotes economic empowerment through education and job training, housing and community development, workforce development, entrepreneurship, health, and quality of life. Yes, Whitney! We're here for it. We are here for it. All of that. Like, that's not even 50 years after slavery was abolished, you guys. I'm going to be honest. I thought slaves were free in 1776. But that doesn't sound right. So the NUL will grow to 90 affiliates serving 300 communities in 37 states and the District of Columbia. So Whitney started something that took off like wildfire and was helping our people absolutely everywhere. However, it's still racist America. So... At the same time, throughout the United States, local ordinances were established to segregate neighborhoods, naming a few Baltimore, Dallas, Louisville, Kentucky, you guys, Norfolk, Virginia, Oklahoma City, Roanoke, Virginia, and St. Louis, Missouri. So that was, yeah, they were were like, we want better for y'all, but we don't want y'all to be near us doing better. How about that? (laughs) A couple more things. I've found around the time because there's just so much cool stuff that happens in black history. I have to show. In the 1908 Olympics, John Baxter Taylor competed in both the 400 meter relay final and the 1600 meter medley relay. And he became the first African-American to win a gold medal. Incredible. Sadly, Only five months after his triumph, John passed away from typhoid fever complications. Dang. Girl. So we can run in the Olympics, but we can't have access to quality health care. Wow. Sounds like America. (sighs) Well, I'm just so happy he achieved all that. Like, good God almighty. So that was the longest Black history segment you've ever heard but it was really cool information so thanks kayla you're very welcome also i cut it short because i had another cool story that i'll probably tell on instagram or something Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) but yeah wow that was awesome okay thank you let's get into it so we were talking about the article that came out talking about how black people need to have separate care and treatment in maryland So this Maryland article stated many reasons for creating a separate hospital for mentally ill black folk. Mm. Black people in mental health facilities were treated inhumanely. They were housed in dark cells, restrained with chains and experimented on. Now, I just want to let you guys know that experimentation, human experimentation back then was common. And it was very common for the black community to be experimented on in facilities because we were seen as less than. No surprise. Just want to put that out there as Mm. a precedent for this case. So the intention to create a segregated hospital for black people was to increase their quality of life while Mm. they were patients or Mm. so they say. In 1908, the Maryland Lunacy Commission, now known as the Department of Health and Mental Hygiene, stated in a report, and I quote, 
It is with a feeling of shame and humiliation that the conditions which exist in the state among the Negro insane are chronicled and known to the public. Wow. Righteous indignant righteous indignation cannot help being aroused when one sees or reads of the most horrible cruelties being practiced upon these unfortunates mm. the most urgent need at this time is a hospital for the negro insane of maryland wow who wrote that, that? right that was the lunacy the maryland lunacy commission so that's cute and all that they are perceiving <laughs> to care so much about black folks that they need to be in their own hospital mm, they just want you to segregate us and treat us worse period <laughs> because or they fooling? either way we right they're not fooling anybody because either way whether we're in the same hospital or different hospitals you were still treating black people differently than white people back then yeah buildings or not right I feel like they were trying to make it easier for what was going on to be hidden because if it's in a different facility, there may not be as much eyes on what's going on and as much documentation about what's going on. So maybe that's why they did that too. Well, if that is one of the reasons they were willing to spend a pretty penny for it, mm. let's get into it. Now, it wasn't until April 11th, 1910, when the Maryland General Assembly finally called into order a need for a hospital for the Negro insane of Maryland. There were three main takeaways from this act. One, it allowed appropriation or basically a devotion of money, specifically $100,000 to purchase the land and build the buildings. Now, $100,000 in today's money is approximately $2.8 billion. Good googly. Right. I'm like, you spent $2.6 billion for the Negro insane, like a hospital for black folks. It almost made me feel like, okay, like we might be doing something. Like they might actually care. But no. What do they get out of this? Spending that much money on. Oh, wow. I, right. I, wow. That's a lot of money. Right right so okay so that was one number two it cannot be built in baltimore they did not want that hospital near the rest of the population i guess or a How populated area i'm probably gonna say the word racist 106 times in this episode <laughs> and we'll probably get flagged on youtube so <laughs> well they can kiss my ass racism is real youtube period and three it should include a farm for the patients to be able to work on so, oh, on so um, slavery, so they can make <laughs> crops while they're in the hospital. That makes I, sense. It's so, a legal, yes. it's a legal slave plantation. Yes, it, literally, that's what jails and sane asylums like. Yeah. They're basically saying, if you're going to live here on our dime, we're going to put you to work. <laughs> so, but back then, the fact that they were doing it to a like just black people in this hospital was like a little fishy, but yeah. <laughs> oh God, the audacity, bitch. It's the audacity for me. Ciao. Mm. Okay. On December 13th, 1910, 566 acres of farmland located in Crownsville, Maryland was purchased by the board of managers for only $19,000. Well, okay. In today's age that is about five hundred and fifty three thousand dollars which still ain't nothing for 566 acres that's like a deal a right. steal <laughs> i still deal i still don't a deal to steal steal the deal 
<laughs> but they were probably like selling off some old land where they buried slaves and they didn't give a shit about it anyway. I hate this case so. already. <laughs> I love how you assume that, but it was actually farmland. So oh. the land was being used originally to farm food. Black patients were transferred from country alm houses, aka poor houses, and jails to this facility. The first group of patients arrived by train on March 13th, 1911. Wow. That group was consist well, that group consisted of 12, and they lived in a small establishment called Willow Plant while they worked with contractors to create roads and harvest tobacco and willow crops on the property. Nice. More more Psych. patients were trans <laughs> Right. More patients were transferred in the summer of 1911, and they also helped in building the actual hospital meant to house and care for them. Hmm. And by helped, that's a loose term. Kristen, free labor. They slaved and broke their backs. There is no difference from what they were going through when they were on the plantations. Next question. Period. In the documentary, Crownsville Hospital from Lunacy to Legacy, many workers such as nurse aides and psychiatrists stated that patients composed majority of the workforce that built the first three buildings of the hospital. These three buildings were actually completed in 1913. So they were completed in about two years time. Mm -hmm. Male patients completed tasks like pushing wheelbarrows of concrete up tramways, excavating 1,000 cubic yards of earth in 10 weeks, grueling Ooh. work, y'all. And then the women knitted patient and employee clothes, quilts, mm -hmm. etc. And these are people that are there to get help. Right. They're and they're the like, ones... if you're going to come up in here, then you're going to work for it. And then we're going to do all the horrible things that we're going to do to you, which we're going to Yeah, on out. top of, oh, my God, Kristen, are you taking me somewhere that I don't want to be? Well, you always take me there. So, yes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> You're not going to want to be here. Okay. okay. Many of them would soon realize that they were building their torture chambers and digging their own graves. Oh, my word. They would realize it, like, as they're doing it? Like, they will realize it in the years to come. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, my stomach just did something. Those poor people. Now, up until 1963, the hospital was mostly segregated. However, white patients were introduced in 1949, but they were housed in separate facilities. Mm -hmm. Which is just like, what was the point of creating this hospital? <laughs> if it was specifically for black people, and the black people have to share still. They were still like, um, this hospital is for the streets, period. So when it came to the employees, though, picture the exact opposite. Majority of the nurses, aides, psychiatrists, and other workers were white. Mm. Now, people could also serve as volunteers at the hospital. And from the many of the photos that I was able to dig up, and we will also show you this on our Instagram, the volunteers at the hospital were majority black people. Employees often experience a plethora of stressful situations, though, like medical emergencies such as seizures, violent episodes from patients, and they were also privy to the experiments that were taking place at Crownsville. Whoa, 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 whoa. So it's like how the house nigga was in Django. Like he was... <laughs> Like he was totally aware of what was happening to the black people and he didn't give a shit. Is that kind of how he, it was for the volunteers? Kind of, but it was not that they didn't give him a crap. It was more like 
these are the things that happen. I have to pay my bills. I'm watching all of this and I don't agree with it, but I'm going to go along with it anyway. Better you thing. than me type of thing. Right. Or it's, yeah, period. Like, <laughs> at the end of the day, as much as everybody wants to be a civil rights activist and stuff like that back in that time, they were trying to feed their family. So period. they had to make a decision. Sounds about white. <laughs> And just to let you guys know, y'all already know, we love all types of people. We love all colors and shapes and everything like that, you know, but doggone it, white people had a dark past (laughs) and it's okay for us to acknowledge that and still love you today. So when I say like, right, you know, certain things, like don't be offended by it, bitch. It's your history just as much as it's ours and all of it is ugly and painful. So, right. So Of course, there were employees that were racist and the outlook that they had on the living conditions for the patients matched that reality. However, some employees spoke to the terrors of what it was like to work at that hospital. Mm. A direct aide named Velma Williams was employed Mm -hmm. at Crownsville from 1969 to 1997. So she was actually black which was cool. At this point, they had been introducing black people to the workforce. That was- hold on, hold on. I'm Not so sorry. Wrong. I'm so sorry. Did you say 1969 to 1997? Yes, girl. She was working there for 28 years? Yes, girl. Many, many workers worked there for over decades. Oh, my word. Okay, that's a yeah. long time. She saw a bunch of shit. I was about to say, somebody was there, and I forget her name, but she was there from 57 to, I think, 2004. I was like, how old were you when you started? 18? Two. 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 <laughs> no, she she's was born there. Now, so- <laughs> like, what? She wasn't. <laughs> but she worked there for almost 50-something years. That's a forever time. Yeah, that was funny. In the documentary, she tells the horrid tale of an African doctor named Dr. Adiemo, and I hope I'm saying that right, who did not believe in giving patients sedatives before they underwent any procedures. Was this, was this, was this Dr. Black? You said African. Dr. Black? Yeah, he's African. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so I'm I'm picturing this dark black looking man with a thick accent and just has no cares for the black people in the society because he can't stand them because they make <laughs> everybody else who's black look bad or he's just doing his job. But it sounds a little sadistic to me. Yeah, definitely like Dr. Kevorkian vibes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Whoever that is. On this particular day, she witnessed a woman who was a patient at the time pull her literal tongue out of her literal mouth. (gasps) Beyond disbelief, she then witnessed Dr. Adiemo simply pour some merthiolate into the woman's mouth and then proceed to sew her tongue, and I quote, back into her head. (gasps) (coughs) Like, talk about a visual. Oh my God, I just swallowed my tongue. I got... (laughs) I just feel like I just swallowed up. Like, some, like, can you imagine all the blood that was in that? I just can't. And then he just, like, poured. I don't even know what mustard is, but that We're shit probably burned. It. it was probably, like, a salt feeling. Oh, that poor woman. And just poured it into her mouth and then proceeded to sew her tongue back into her head. Girl. Now, let's get into what merthiolate actually is. 
For those of us who don't know what methylate is, which is like all of us, it is a substance that contains thimerosal, which is a mercury containing compound. And it was once used as a disinfectant and a preservative. So not a numbing agent, (laughs) not anything that's going to help with the pain. It was supposed to disinfect and just simply that. Mm -hmm. He didn't give a shit. And remember, they probably still they probably still believe that black people had a high pain, higher pain tolerance. Even this piece of shit, black doctor probably was like, ah, uh, we've been taught that black people can handle it because they've been handling it for so long. Why should it matter what we do here? So just to tell you a little bit more about methylate. If this substance is consumed in large amounts or consistently over time in smaller amounts, it will poison you. Yeah, methylate was even banned by Thank you. Merthiolate was even banned by the FDA in the 1990s and uses um, an over-the-counter medication. Although when I was doing my research, I literally saw in um, CVS and Walmart that you can buy it for $5.79. And it literally <laughs> like has a bottle that says Merthiolate on it. So that didn't make any sense to me. So I was thinking maybe the FDA like switched up and said, okay, well, you can use it in certain concentrations and it'll be safe to use. I'm going to tell you right now, anything that the FDA says is okay is most likely not. <laughs> and I'm going like to it most that. likely has something in it that could definitely kill you over time. The FDA says that there can be a certain amount of rodent hair and insects in your food. I will never trust them. Like, that's disgusting. Fucking disgusting. And the FDA has a history of not being able to be trusted and to yeah. be catching on to things when it's too late. Have so, you seen the being- documentary called Sea, what was it, like Sea World or something like that? It was on Netflix and they talk the about world? what's going, no, it's talk about what's going on in the fishing game. And they talk about how they just paid the FDA off to say, yeah, this was you know, safely caught or yeah, this is organic. It's just bullshit. FDA is big pharma. Watch what you eat. (laughs) I just want to let y'all know really quick. If you ever need a safe and natural disinfectant, you can use lemon as that. You can use vinegar. There's several essential oils that you can use. Okay. You don't need to run to the store and get anything with all these extra chemicals. Now you will notice in the pictures on our Instagram page convey both sides of the Crownsville Hospital. Because like most things, there is often a moral duality that comes with being a flawed human, a flawed anything. Mm-hmm. More appealing and progressive tales about Crownsville were told as well. Like when Mame Tilgman, a major leader in the Maryland beautician co- community, she opened up a beauty salon at Crownsville in 1949. Wow. And some pay. I know, right? I was like, that's kind of progressive for 1949. Mm-hmm. And some patients participated in sports leagues and even won trophies. And even in 1948, the hospital hired their first black psychologist, Vernon Sparks. I just want to let you guys know right now, the timeline of Dr. IDMO came after Vernon Sparks because he yeah. was Vernon Sparks was hired in 1948 and the nurse aide who actually saw all that commotion she didn't even get hired until 1969. Correct. So mm-hmm. We can assume that he was there after Vernon Sparks. Yeah. The underbelly of what could have most likely been the daily conditions of the hospital are also seen. Like mm. the group of women sleeping on benches in the hallway or the overcrowded sleeping areas that all of the patients had to endure. Mm. 
Some say the hospital made tangible efforts to increase the quality of life of their patients, while others say it was all a cover-up to continue Mm. to mask detrimental acts of inhumanity. Although the original purpose of the hospital was to provide better care for the Black mentally ill, it quickly became known for overcrowding, underfunding, and dark tales of experimentation. Godly. The patient's... The patients admitted at Crownsville dealt with ailments ranging from autism to alcoholism, sexual sadism to schizophrenia, and oftentimes just being poor or finding yourselves hated by the wrong group of people could qualify you for admission to the hospital. I was just thinking about that. I was like, half of these people probably said the wrong thing to the wrong person and ended up spending their life here, you know? Like, Kayla, dead serious i was gonna curse but i can't dead serious <laughs> like the the arundel deputy sheriff at the time his name was george phelps jr he was there for 25 years and he was actually black which mm-hmm. i was shocked he even said basically like if you pissed off the wrong person was found in the wrong neighborhood at the wrong time you got sent to crownsville so yeah. it's like but y'all are worried about how you don't have enough funds to basically take care of the people so why do you keep sending everybody and their mama there because you don't want to see them on the streets like because they're an eyesore because it's it's just like the homeless community especially in la they're like eh, it's an eyesore for la like we need to get rid of them this very much gives me that vibe wow and instead of creating like houses with just as much money 2.8 billion dollars you decide to just stick them in a hospital so they can get experimented on yep. to better serve you that way yeah absolutely <laughs> Disgusting. In the early years of the hospital, diseases rapidly rampaged the entire place. Diseases such as smallpox, scarlet fever, and tuberculosis mm-hmm. ran rapid amongst the patients. Mm. It wasn't until later down the line where they actually built separate facilities to house the, the ill and contagious patients. Oh my oh. God. So they were just right there up on each other. Kayla. On everybody, coughing, sneezing, breathing, <coughs> and it was just spreading like wildfire. That is the same. And you know, and you know, ter- uh, tuberculosis ain't nothing to, mug- to play with. No. Neither smallpox. That shit will put you in the ground, like in a second. Those poor people. Disgusting. Good lord. I'm like, even the workers. Like, wouldn't you think as workers you will want better because you're in that environment with all these people? Yeah. Like, that's disgusting. I wouldn't want to um, die. Hello. Right. So patients were also being drugged on the daily, y'all, with substances like Thorazine, which they started administering in the late 50s, opium, and they wow. stopped using that, but only when it became illegal to use. And then they used benzodiazepines. If you want to know what those are, look them up. I didn't have time. <laughs> Believe it or not, even black children were housed at Crownsville. Mm. Kids with special needs like epilepsy and autism were sent to Crownsville by family members in hopes that they would receive better care there. How the f- Okay, that's going to infuriate me because all of this information, the place has become known for overpopulation, bad treatment, and dark experiments. Why would you send your child there? 
Because basically what the real is, they felt like they couldn't un- understand a child with epilepsy, with autism. It was too much of a burden. Yeah. Yeah. So they yeah. were like, let's drop them off because they were also dropping off not only at insane asylums, but also orphanages. They would just drop their kid off because they couldn't understand how to help it. Yeah. And also you're going to see that in some of the pictures, you're able to see large communities of girls and boys working or they're just in tight sleeping quarters, just surrounded by each other. I want to hug them. This is so fucked. The children's ward wasn't built until 1936. And in 1942, the hospital had the nerve to even have a school and they named it Winter Road. Unfortunately, like other inmates, though, children who were admitted to Crownsville often died there. (sighs) Their conditions were no better than the adults at the hospital. Baltimore Sun published articles in the 1940s and 50s that described epileptic children lying on the bare floor, small boys naked, spilling food over themselves as they tried to eat. (sighs) Some sources say children were injected with hepatitis as late as 1963. Yo. Like, so it's not enough to experiment on the human, I mean, the adults, but you drag the kids into this. Like, that's disgusting. It's so scary because, like, our parents were born in 73 and this shit was happening in 63. I know our grandmother was alive. That's mm-hmm. just, it could have been any one type of situation. And this was in Baltimore? Yep. Baltimore, girl. Like, wow. just two generations ago, this hospital was alive and well, doing the worst of the worst things. But it wasn't just this hospital. It's a lot of insane asylums in the I States. believe it. I believe it. I believe it. That's just, it's just crazy that you bring kids into that type of shit. Like, I, I don't know. I'm hurt. <laughs> I feel you, sis. A report in 1955 by the Department of Health and Mental Hygiene stated that there were 35 patients in the nursery, a.k.a. babies, and 169 under the age of 16. Kristen, are you taking the piss? This is what you call a modern-day plantation. I was going to (laughs) say... For the unwanted, drop them off. At least they'll get one meal a day. But that's all that we can provide. And the thing is, to sit here and say that they're not reproducing, there are adults here. They're probably hooking up together, you know. Patients of all ages endured psychiatric treatments that today's medical society would deem deplorable. In 1948, 103 of the 1,800 patients at that time endured insulin shock therapy, which is basically when they are repeatedly injected with large amounts of insulin in order to produce daily comas over the next several weeks. Why? This was basically used to treat people with schizophrenia. So it was actually a treatment that was known and and practiced by a lot of different doctors at the time. And basically, I think they said it was like a 50% success rate, which I'm like, what were you trying to do? Like, What the what fuck you, is the point? What is what the success you rate? Were you like, trying to get them to literally just knock out the majority right. of their lives so they don't show schizophrenic symptoms so you don't like, have you to deal with them? To, it made me feel like were, were they trying to like overload a part of the brain that causes you to hear things and if we can just keep overloading that part of the brain maybe it'll just die or like stop working like i have no idea i thought insulin was like diabetes type stuff i had it no is. idea they used it, it for is. other stuff 
Here they go. I don't trust anything that happened before 1990. When, Kayla? 75. 1995, <laughs> bitch, when I was born. I don't trust any medical procedure that happened before then. Period. People are just sticking and poking and prodding and, 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 and. God, this isn't wasn't even a hundred years ago. That's what I'm saying. Like, this is genuinely my worst nightmare to be in a situation where I literally have to depend on someone else for my safety and like my health. Oh, just for them to do you dirty. What are we saying? (laughs) Thirty three lobotomies were performed that year. And for those of you who do not know what lobotomies are, basically like they stick something into your brain and mess around with it. That basically makes you a tomato. So, yeah, goes right. I specifically did not look up the details of a lobotomy because I knew how sick it was. So 33 of those were performed that year Mm. and 56 patients were injected with malaria. Oh, basically a disease caused by a parasite. Kristen, make Mm -hmm. it make sense. Like this seems the Tuskegee experiment was horrific. This seems like. This is some Nazi World War II shit. Period. Oh my gosh. Wow. Wow. That's a fact. So one particular procedure patients painfully endured was called pneumoencephalography. Hmm. Now this was a common procedure that required a doctor to drill a hole in the patient's skull and drain fluid from around the brain. The fluid was then replaced with oxygen or helium so that the doctors could get better x-ray images of the brain. And then after the procedure, patients would suffer horrific migraines and vomiting until the brain would reproduce that fluid. Oh, torture. Just so they could get a picture of the brain. Like, I just can't. Like, when is experimenting going to happen on corpses? Because I'm like, you could see pictures of the brain and do all this shit to corpses that are, you know, already right. dead. There, You don't have to do this on literally people that are just suffering from mental illness this is something that is so fucked that i'm sure we learned a lot over time by doing this horrific stuff you know but still i feel like there has to be some type of consent involved but obviously they didn't give a shit i mean it's just the definition of does the ends justify the means like just because we've gained things from this was it right absolutely not absolutely not was it worth it I'm going to say no. Yeah, I'm going to say no. Because I feel like there's other ways. We could have did that in a different way. Correct. So an activist who has been trying to get people who died at Crownsville memorialized, he stated that there was a rationale about it at that time that the patients could pay back the institution for their stay. They're not going back to the community, so they have nothing else to lose. That was the thinking back then. I'm going to flip this fucking table. So you mean to tell me you've done unthinkable, deplorable things to me, my psyche, my body, and then you want me to pay you back? I'm pulling a Django, bitch. I am pulling (laughs) a Django. Like, think about the kids. Think about the kids that were born of autism or epilepsy. And then they go, they have no choice. They didn't ask to be there. And their parents drop them off. And then they get injected with malaria simply because they're the bottom of the barrel of society. Like, just disgusting. It's It's sick. It's fucked. 
It's sick. So the deputy sheriff, George Phelps, who we talked about, he was curious about the experimentation that was going on at the hospital. Because oh, was he curious? Like, oh, was he curious? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Whoa, I didn't expect that. <laughs> like, are you taking the piss? Oh, I heard some people are losing their lives in the most violent ways possible. Let, Let me go, go check that out. Let me go check out. My own people specifically. Oh, God, it'd be your own. It's always your own. So, George, okay, get it together. Kristen, I'm on one. I'm starving. I'm, I'm my Come on now. We're almost there. Okay. So, George broke into a basement laboratory in the 50s, and he saw jars of skulls, human skulls, and women's body parts. Wow. He, he said, I was fascinated, but also disgusted. And you mean to tell me this was the sheriff and he was black and he saw what was going on and he did nothing about it as if everything was okay? And as if says, this was permitted? This is fascinating. But that's the thing. Like, morality back then was so optional, bitch. Didn't matter what skin color you were. Like, I feel like almost everybody was evil just acting in their own best benefit not really giving a shit about their fellow people that's why it's so crazy that around the time that this hospital was created the NAACP was created you know the NUL National Urban League so all of these things would be putting in place to protect black people and to give them a chance and it's like why people are always going to find a way to be like not today you and our own people and, and it our, just like shows- I said and our own people yep it just shows like the moral duality. Like on one side, you can have horrible things happening to your people, to other people, and it's just horrible. But then on the other half, you can have somebody or groups of people fighting for protections yeah. and rights. And But it's all happening at the same time. So it just shows like humanity is good and evil. There's both. And it sucks. Yeah, it really does. Forever and eternal battle. <laughs> Period. So he was the sheriff and he did nothing about what he saw as if it was permitted to have human remains in a crummy basement lab. And this was okay. So still today, a cemetery next to Crownsville Hospital houses more than 1,500 bodies of dead patients whose bodies went unclaimed by their families. Just horrific. That is so sad. I want to visit it. I know. I literally the way the way that I even found out about this case, y'all, was because I was on YouTube and I just typed in insane asylum. And then I saw like videos of people going to Crownsville State Hospital because right now it's actually abandoned. All of the buildings are still there. It is crusty, dusty looking. It's abandoned. And we'll get into (laughs) why it's still there. So they were there like at night, like trying to see what was going on. Somebody saw blood on the floor and that looked fresh. So I was like, uh uh. People be playing too much. I feel like there's the link. spirits in there. Send me the link. <laughs> Send me the link. Okay. You know, so, yeah. Christies. It's pretty gross, but check it out. Pretty paranormal, too. Cool. So despite the efforts to expand the hospital to accommodate all the patients, which, by the way, the superintendent at the time had to do everything but get on his knees to ask the government for more funding to expand the hospital, the hospital just was not giving what it needed to give, period. No, Kristen, it wasn't helping. It was not helping anything in any way. No. And as much as they tried to make it seem like they were helping, as much as, you know, all these progressive things were happening, that was apparently perfect time to take pictures also there was stuff going on on the daily that was like this is disgusting deplorable this is not 
where it's at. Right. What are we doing? Right. So in 1955, patients incited a riot that quickly became statewide news. And once again, another stain on Maryland's record. Mm, a riot, period. They, they deserve that years before. Mm-hmm. And apparently there were patients who had escaped. But unfortunately, I say unfortunately, most of them were actually captured or recaptured or put back into the hospital. There was this one guy, his name was Carlos, I forget his last name, but he escaped during the riot and he was never caught. Oh, and I think nice. he actually was on the documentary that I told you about Crownsville Hospital from Lunacy to Legacy. So check <gasps> that out. I know oh my that was word. pretty dope. Period. I was like, yes, Carlos, you better run, Carlos. You better run. Run I'm, I'm for your I'm freedom. I'm you right now, I'm pulling a Django or I'm going to be like the guy that got his arms ripped off by those dogs. Or I'm going to be I'm like, going out, I'm going out in a hail of gunfire. I am not living this way. I always told myself I would have never survived longer than five years as a slave. And I'm talking five years like from my birth to the age of five. I wouldn't have lasted. (laughs) How my ego and my stubbornness is set up, bitch. They would have been cut my feet off. This makes me respect our ancestors so much like you have yeah. no idea for us to even be able to pop off and catch an attitude with someone yeah. who's being racist is a privilege oh and like i need us to know that you better preach right now i'm like even the fact that our ancestors had the strength to survive through all that and not just be like fuck this like that's right. something that i i can't even imagine you know where they mustered up that strength from it's unreal right so Absolutely shout out real. shout out to all of our ancestors that went through hell and made it through. Period. <sighs> Moment of silence for that. Because no, I felt that. Okay. Done. Yeah. Beautiful. So the hospital was eventually closed in July 2004 because of budget concerns and a severe reduction of patients. The 200 patients that remained there were sent to the other two Maryland State Hospitals. In June 2015, which is like nine years later, a task force was created to study and make recommendations. (laughs) Math is not our friend. (laughs) It usually is. I just don't know what's wrong with me. Okay. In June 2015, a task force was created to study and make recommendations on how to sell, transfer, or other forms of disposition of the hospital. Okay. At the time, the property consisted of 66 buildings and 544 acres. They did sell some acreage. I forgot what they did with it, but they did sell it. Yeah. In January 2016, the task force submitted its report to the governor and several other department heads. Mm-hmm. On June 30th, 2016, the task force was disbanded. Hmm. And the buildings still sit there today. So for almost two decades, the 66 buildings just sit there vacant as Mother Earth does its best to reclaim the land. Wow. In today's world, Crownsville has been the subject matter of amateur paranormal escapades, documentaries, and even just late night thrillers with your man. And it still sits there today. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So that's our case. Could I possibly go by the land could i like as a just a person that would have enough money could i do that like could i purchase it or is it just sitting there being unused by the government that owns it girl 
I think it's the latter. Like, I think it's sitting there unused by the government because Maryland still owns the property, owns the land. The cemetery, they can't just sell that off because it has literal bodies underneath it. So I don't know what they're doing with it. Like I said, like they created a whole tax force just to do nothing with it. Wow. I would love to go into that place and like tear it down. Imagine all the stuff you'll find, like even in the walls and just the whole creepy vibe. Oh God, I would love it so much, but I hate everything that happened. I'm just a little like weird, but no, wow. I get it because it's like to sit there like TD Jakes was, he, he went on some adventure, but it wasn't really an adventure. It was like a whatever. And he was actually in the caves where slaves were being held until they were moved to boats. Oh. And he saw like he could still see scratches on the walls from slaves yeah. trying to like scratch their way out or write something. And yeah. he said he still smelt the strong smell of feces in the caves. <gasps> so it's just like being in that environment of knowing that something horrible took place. Mm -hmm. It's like reverence comes over you like a deep respect for what happened there because it's like, absolutely it's and a deep a deep appreciation for where you are in life now and where society is in life because this stuff was happening you know what we just talked about what 50 years ago 100 years ago you know even 200 years ago we were still chained up in somebody's basement so it's just so crazy to see you know how far we've come but also scary to see how far we have to go you know we've come we, a long way this case was very very interesting it was a different type of case than we usually do but there's a lot of information in there that i'm sure we wouldn't have learned about and any of our listeners either if you didn't like, you know bring it to our attention so thank you so much for that sister you're so welcome because i figure like i'm i'm all this killing and horrors and stuff <laughs> i have to put my own twist to it because yeah. it really be getting to me yeah, Kristen's very sensitive, you guys. Well, thank you so much, Kristen, for that case. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. Until next time, be safe, protect your peace, and protect your space so we don't have to cover your case. We love you too much, okay? Bye. Bye. You have a right to kill me. I have a right to do that. But you have no right to judge me.